The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. and get out your notebooks, get out your phones, get out your tablets, get out whatever it is that you take notes on in church with. Anybody got a paper Bible this morning with them? Paper Bibles. I like paper Bibles. You hear those pages turning? That's kind of fun. I like that. It's cool to hear that people are following along with you this morning. If you got a paper Bible, wave it at me this morning. There you go. Good for, look at that. That's awesome. Good job. Get that Bible out. Get your notes out. Also, want to encourage you um, if you have the New Song app, man, it's a great way for you to stay connected and what we've got going on here at New Song Church. Uh, there's a lot going on. As you can see, we planted all these people this morning. We're also starting a brand new series yeah. next week called Ship Shape. We're going to talk about the ships that shape us as believers, the ships that shape us. As Christians, this is a series that God put on my heart right before sabbatical. We're going to be in it for seven weeks, and it's going to be kind of a foundation uh, series, a vision series for our church. And I really believe that, that through it, God's going to stir some stuff up in us. It's going to help us to do what He's called us to do. And I'm going to explain really more of what God showed me in this Ship Shape series next week. So make sure you're here and do everything you can to be at church for every week of this series. I believe God's going to do some awesome stuff through worship. And, uh, and also next, next Sunday night we have worship night. So that's going to be awesome. Make sure that if you've got children, you get them registered. Make plans on being with us. If you've never been to a new song worship night, it is so awesome. God always shows up. We have extended worship. We have extended altar ministry. Uh, we've seen people healed at worship nights. Like amazing, miraculous stuff has taken place. So come expecting. Set your expectation that God is going to be there, that you're going to be there, and that something amazing is going to happen. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen. Well, we're in a new season right now, aren't we? Things are starting to change. It won't be too long until uh, the trees start to turn, the grass starts to turn, and not because it's dying, <laughs> but, but because, uh, because the fall is here. How many of you are recognizing this new season? Maybe you had kids that started school this week, or maybe your kids are starting school next week. A new season is upon us. And uh, I know I've met a lot of new people. You know, we, we serve a God who's a God of the new. And He's about doing new things. And He wants to make you a new creation. And He wants to give you new hope and new vision. He wants to help you to receive a new mind through Him. He wants to renew your mind and do some new work in your life. And as we move into this new season, I, I believe that God wants to do a new thing in our church and stir up some new stuff that's going to propel us ahead in what God has for us. So I, I want to talk to you today about the, the new favor that I believe God wants us to step into. This week as I went to the Lord and said, God, what do you want me to talk about? I, I believe he, he spoke to me and said, I've got some new favor for our church. I've got some new favor that people are going to be stepping into. So I want to help you understand that today. I'm calling this message, New Season, New Favor. Somebody say, New Season, New, season. new Favor. How many of you would like some new favor on your life right now? Yeah. Amen. Sounds pretty good. Let's pray and then let's dive into this. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's life to those who find it. And it's, it's health to our flesh. And so as we look to your word this morning, we don't, we don't just see this as just another day 
Uh, we recognize this as a day that the Lord has made and a day that the Lord God that is alive and living and active in this world wants to speak to us and wants to give us new vision, new hope. He wants to do something new. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for uh, uh, the mind of Christ this morning. We thank you for revelation this morning. Help us to see things like we've never seen them before. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Somebody say, new season. New, season. new, favor. new favor. God is a God of the new. The God that we serve is a God of the new. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, when it says be in Christ there, it doesn't just mean that, you know, you kind of check a box that you raised your hand in a service and now you, you know, it's kind of like your Facebook status. You move it from single to, to, you know, complicated or to married or whatever that is. This isn't just checking a box. This actually is not talking about like a static uh, position. It's talking about a living relationship. To be in Christ means you're walking in relationship with God, hand in hand. He's with you in life. God wants that for you. God wants to have that kind of relationship with you. That's why we want to help people know God. We're not inviting you to religion. We're inviting you to relationship. Can I get an amen? amen? And the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. How many of you need some old things to pass away in your life from time to time? Behold, all things have become new. God wants a real, living, active relationship with you where he's doing fresh and new things in your life, walking hand in hand with you and moving you into the things that he has prepared for you. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And recognize that when this verse says that, it's not saying that God has bad things in store for you. That would make no sense that God would say, man, you can't imagine how bad it's going to be for those that love me. Like God would not say that. So when it says that you can't comprehend this, you can't wrap your mind around it, listen, it's saying God has some amazing good things in store for people who love him, who are, per, who are pursuing him, going after him. And so the God that we serve is a God of the new, and he wants to do new things in your life, in new seasons that he's walking in your life with new favor on your life. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says for everything. Somebody say everything. everything. You're a part of everything, right? For everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. God has purposes that he wants to see fulfilled in this world. And he needs people that he can fulfill his purposes through. And so he's looking for people that will get on board with what he wants to do so that he can put his favor on them, touch them with his favor so it not only affects them, but it affects the world around them and brings people to this living, loving God that we serve. I'm preaching good 9 a.m. service. I hope you're excited about this. But listen, in order for you to walk in this favor, you're going to have to tune your heart to the Word of God, to what the Bible has to say. And you're going to have to tune your ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and what He wants to do. Because see, here's the thing about the favor of God. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The favor of God is for the assignments of God. The favor of God is for the assignments of God. God wants to put His favor on your life so you can fulfill the assignment He's called you to. Taking notes, here's, here's what favor is. God's presence over your life to accomplish God's purposes in and through your life. The favor of God is God's presence actively a part of your life, and it enables you to, to accomplish God's purposes in your life, what God wants to do for you, and what God wants to do through you. And when the favor of God is on you, listen, you can go further than you could go on your own. 
And beyond that, the favor of God wants to be on you in such a way that it, it begins to spill over onto the world around you and touch other people. Yeah. And the great thing about God's favor, listen, is God's favor is not subject to the circumstances of life. The favor that God wants to place on your life is a favor that, that doesn't have to have everything perfect around it in order for it to be producing in your life. And there's many Bible stories that point to this. But I think the greatest is the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. You can read it in the book of Genesis. If you know the story of Joseph, Joseph has this dream as a little boy. God gives him this dream. It's a God dream. And it's a dream of, of him stepping into some significant stuff. It's a dream of him doing something that's going to impact the world around him. But it's not long after he receives the dream that everything begins to fall apart and his life kind of moves into this, into this state of chaos. But what I love about Joseph is no matter what came against him, there was this tenacity in him. There was this tenacity within him to continue to pursue God and continue to hold on to the plan of God and to the dream that God placed in his heart. And because of that, everywhere he went, no matter what the circumstances were going on around him, he kept finding himself in the favor of God. His brothers sell him into slavery. And he ends up in this guy named Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, it says that the blessing of God was on him. And it, and it bled over. In fact, it says that the blessing of God was on Potiphar's house. Why? Because Joseph was there. Because the favor of God was on him. The favor of God was on Potiphar's house. You can change the atmosphere wherever you go if God is with you. Can I get an amen? How many of you want to do some of that? How many of you know we need to change the atmosphere, the world that we're living in? So then Potter, uh, Joseph's there and, and some circumstances come against him. Listen, I'm talking about the favor of God, but I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect. There's going to be stuff that comes against you. And there's something that comes against Joseph once again. He's been sold into slavery. Now this woman sees him and she likes him. And she says, you know, I want some of that. But Joseph is a godly man. He's pursuing God. He's pursuing God's plan for his life. So he says, no, not going to happen. And she gets mad. And so what does she do? She accuses him of something he doesn't do. And he gets thrown into prison. But even in prison, the favor of God is on him in prison. And he gets promoted in prison. And, and, the, and the blessing of God was on the prison, the Bible says. And, and so now he's in prison, and, and through a series of, of events, he ends up being before the Pharaoh, and he's able to speak to the Pharaoh and, and, and interpret a dream that, that the Pharaoh has had. And then through that, he's able to speak the wisdom of God for what the Pharaoh needs to do in the days ahead. And he gets promoted once again. He becomes the second most powerful man in the most powerful kingdom that exists on the earth at this time, the kingdom of Egypt. How I many you know that's a good day right there? So he fully steps into the dream. And, and in, in, in this dream, not only is the blessing of God on him, but it's able to affect the Egyptian people and even his own Israelite people and his own family. The very brothers that sold him into slavery get to come to Egypt and live with him and receive of the blessing of Joseph's life. Yeah. Listen, what I want you to see here is that the favor of God was not subject to the circumstances of Joseph's life. And the favor of God had the ability to touch every person in the environments that Joseph found himself in. And that same favor is available to us as believers today. And I love this favor because it was, it was tangibly seen by those around him. In fact, the Pharaoh says this in Genesis 41 verse 38, Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this who has in him the Spirit of God? Pharaoh could see the, the Spirit of God 
on Joseph's life. And, and we know that that was on him because Joseph pursued the presence of God in his life. Because that's how it works. When you pursue the presence of God, you get to have the presence of God. And, and the Bible go, it says it over and over again. In fact, Genesis 39 verse 2, talking about Joseph. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. That, pro, that word prosper means he had favor on him. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. In Genesis 39 verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor. Joseph had favor. Why? Here's why. This is so big. Because he persistently consistently pursued the presence of God and the plan of God for his life. Listen, if you want to have the favor of God in your life, you have to persistently, consistently pursue the presence of God and the plan of God in your life. And if you'll do that, you'll have it. That's why Joseph had the presence of God. That's why he was able to walk in the plan of God, because he went after it. God's favor grows when we are persistent to pursue God's presence and God's plan. Now, here's the thing about the presence of God. The presence of God is available, really, to everybody. You know, God is omnipresent. That means He's everywhere at the same time. And for those who make Jesus the Lord of their life, we get to experience a, a greater level of this favor. It's called the grace of God. You know what the grace of God is? It's the unmerited favor of God in our life. It's favor that we get to step into, not because of what we've done, not because we've lived the perfect life, not because we've loved, you know, exactly the way that we're supposed to. It's a favor that's available to us because of what Jesus has done, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because the blood that he shed, because Jesus went to the cross and he died, even though he didn't deserve to die. He took something he didn't deserve. So now we can receive something we don't deserve. We can receive the grace of God, the unmerited favor on our life. But I also want you to know that there's another level of favor that God wants you to experience. And that favor, he wants to grow in your life. If you're taking notes this morning, jot that down. Favor grows. Favor grows. You can grow the favor of God in your life. Let me, let me show you this in Scripture. Turn to Luke chapter 2, if you've got your Bible. Luke chapter 2, flip over there. This is a story of Jesus when he's just a boy. This is the only story in the Bible we have of Jesus outside of, of his birth where he is a child. And in, in Luke chapter 2, Jesus and his family are coming back from Jerusalem. They've been in Jerusalem for an annual feast, and they're traveling back home. And after the first day of traveling, Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, recognize that Jesus is not with them. Right. That's a bad day. <laughs> you know, if you're a parent and you lose your child, it's, it's a bummer. Like, it's not good. You are, it, it'll freak you out. It'll scare you. Some of the, the scariest moments of my life are moments where my kids were little and they disappear and you're looking for them and it's like panic mode. Yeah. But imagine, imagine that you lose your child and it's the Messiah. <laughs> this is, we lost the one who's come to redeem fallen man. That's a bummer, a real bummer. Now, before you start thinking like Joseph and Mary are the worst, it, it, was, actually, it was actually fairly common that this could happen because of the way people traveled. See, in Bible times, when they would travel to stuff like these feasts, like a whole village would kind of travel together. And the way they would travel is there would be, you know, the men in the front, they'd kind of make this sandwich. It would be men, women, children, women, men. And that's how they would travel. 
So what you would do is you'd have your children, and it was kind of like you checked them in to, to the children's ministry of the traveling, you know, and you put them in the middle there, and then you would travel. So you may not see your kids for the rest of the day until that nightfall when you kind of collect them. And so it's that nightfall time that they're kind of getting ready to go to bed that they're going, okay, um, where's Jesus? We've lost the Messiah. Like, let's... And so they go back to Jerusalem and they look for Jesus and it says that they discover him in the temple. That's where they find him. And Mary goes up to Jesus and she's like, what are you doing? Why, why weren't you with us? And, and you, if you know the story, Jesus says, I was, I was about my father's business. Now remember, Mary knows this is the Messiah. She knows about the Christ child. She, she was there. The angel spoke to her. She knows the story. But in this moment, what's amazing is she doesn't go, oh, okay, well, let me, I'll just be over here waiting. Whenever you're done, let me know, and then we'll, we'll head back. No, she goes, no, come with me. You come with me now. In other words, think about this. Mary is kind of saying to Jesus in this moment, no, you're not going to be about that. You're going to be about mama's business. Let's go. <laughs> now, here's what's amazing. Luke 2, verse 51, tells us what Jesus did with this. Look at this. It says, then he went down with them his family, and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. That word subjects means he submitted to their authority. Why? Because Jesus was about the plan of God and having the presence of God active in his life. So here's what happened with Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth as a baby, he was placed under the authority of human parents. God sent his son into this world and said, these people are going to take care of you. And the will of God for his life at 12 years old is that he was to honor his father and mother and be subject to what they had to say. So Jesus in this moment says, okay, I'm going to do it. And look at the very next verse, Luke 2:52. And Jesus grew. Somebody say, he grew. What did he grow in? Wisdom and stature and in, somebody say it with me, favor with God and all people. Jesus grew in favor. And one of the keys to him growing in favor was he was subject to the plan of God for his life. He knew in this moment, my mom and dad are the ones. I'm not, this isn't time for me to step out and do my own thing yet, or, the, or God's thing yet. The way he, the God's thing right now is for me to be subject to them. So I will honor and obey them. Did he do this because they were perfect, because Mary was perfect? No. I remember why she's had to look for Jesus. He was lost, okay? She's not perfect. But Jesus was subject to them, not because of them, but because of God. And because of that, he walked in the favor. I know some young people in this room this morning. I hope you're paying attention. Because guess what? This school year, your teachers are not going to be perfect. Your lunch lady is not going to be perfect. Your coaches are not going to be perfect. But you don't submit to them because they're perfect. Now listen, if they ask you to do something that's against the Word of God or against what your parents are telling you, that's a different story. But if they're not asking you to do that, then you honor the authority that God has placed in your life if you want to have the favor of God in your life. You want to have the favor growing? You want to have wisdom growing in your life? Then you honor and obey the authority God has placed in you. And all the moms and dads said, Amen. Favor is grown. And it's grown in the life of those who are persistent in their pursuit of God's presence and God's plan. So let's dig into this a little bit more. Let's break this down. God, God's favor grows when we're persistent to pursue God's presence. Let's talk about the presence of God for a moment. How do we pursue 
the presence of God. Well, think about this for a moment. Have you ever received one of those invitations in the mail before? And maybe it's to a wedding or maybe it's to a birthday party for some person or some little kid. And it says uh, something along the lines of, your presence is requested at the wedding of, you know, and it gives these people's full beautiful names with some, you know, script text. <laughs> or your presence is requested at the birthday party for, and, and so let me ask you, when you receive that, what is it asking for? It's asking for you. Yeah. It's asking for you to show up. Yeah. Listen, we overcomplicate things sometimes. But to, to invite the presence of God means in, in your life means that you invite God into your life. It means that you create an atmosphere with your life that says, God, you're welcome here. God, I want you. God, I need you. So let me ask you something. What in your life daily says to God, God, I want you. God, I need you. God, I require you. You are, you are humbly invited. Your presence is requested in my life. On the daily, on the daily, what are you doing? Are you worshiping God on the daily? Or is worship just something that you come and you, you participate in here? You worship, and maybe you get it at worship, you know? You get it, you'll kick your feet and move around a little bit. But then that's it, you're done. You're good for the week. You're going to just live off that. Yeah. What are you doing on the daily? You know, you could, we, we want you. We desire that you would worship God every day. Yeah. Worship is love expressed. We want you doing that, expressing your love to God every day. Yeah. And you don't have to have a band with you. You're not going to have a band with you. Yeah. But you can have a Spotify mix with you. Right. You can have a, you know, a CD player, a discman, your walkman. Anybody got a Walkman? No. Oh, did somebody raise their hand? You got a Walkman with a tape? Good for you. Put on your aerobic Rebox and go for a run. <laughs> you can worship God anywhere. It's not just for church. Do you pray daily? And it, or do your prayers move beyond God? I messed up again. God, help me. Are you praying for the world? Are you inviting the presence of God? Are you reading your Bible? Are you digging into the Word of God daily? Are you, are you, are you, what about your life daily says, God, I need you. Your presence is requested. Here's the great thing about God. God shows up where he's invited. He wants to be in your life, but you need to invite him. The promise of God is this, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God's not trying to hide from you. Right. He wants to be found yeah. in your life. He wants to be a part of your life, but you have to invite him in. And when you invite him in, here's the great thing. You get God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you get God, you get all that God is. You get the love of God on display through your life. Right. You get the peace of God. You get his help. You get his assistance. Yeah. You get God. And so many of us, we miss out because we just... Simply don't invite God in. Listen, you can have as much God through Jesus as you want. If you're taking notes, jot that down. I can have as much God through Jesus Christ as I want. If you don't have enough God, you feel like you don't have enough of the presence of God in your life, it's not because God's not available. It's because you lack effort. So put in the effort. Invite Him and He'll show up. 
Amen? God's favor grows and we're persistent to pursue God's presence. Invite the present. Persistently, consistently pursue the presence of God in your life. Here's the second thing. God's favor grows when we are persistent to pursue God's plan. God's plan. Now, here's a question maybe you have. How do I pursue the plan of God if I'm not exactly sure what the plan of God is? What, what do I do if I'm not really sure? Like, how can we pursue the plan of God if we're not really sure what the plan of God is? Well, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to break down some verses for you that God placed on my heart this week. And man, I, I really believe in this. You're, some people are going to find some real wisdom from God and how to walk in the specific plan of God. What it's going to take for you to specifically know what God is trying to do and to walk in that plan with the favor of God. Look at this with me. Proverbs 3. Starting verse 3, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. All you guys with those paper Bibles, I want you to underline or circle or put a star or highlight, whatever you got to do, the word mercy and truth. You're taking notes, write down mercy and truth. These words are key to you experiencing the favor of God in your life. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Look at this. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now look at this verse, verse 4. And so find the favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. You know, we just read that Jesus had the favor of God on him in the sight of God and man. So Jesus must have been doing this right here. He must have understood this verse and he was walking it out. You find favor when mercy and truth are bound in your life, bound around your neck. They're, they're written on the tablet of your heart. Verse 5, look at this. A lot of you know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. A lot of us know that verse. Let me tell you what helps you to do that. It's this first part. It's having mercy and truth as something that's championed in your life. Then you experience the favor of God. Then it's a lot easier for you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways. Somebody say all. All, all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So what we see in this verse is when we walk in uh, the understanding of the broad plan that God has for our life, we experience the favor of God and we're able to walk in the more specific path or plan that God wants us to walk in in our life. But it's important that we, in order to do that, in order to understand it, we have to understand and walk in the broad plan that God has for our life. So what is that? It's let not mercy and truth forsake you. If you want to walk in the specific plan, you need to make sure you're walking in the bigger picture plan that God has for you. Now, notice it says, don't let them forsake you. You know, I would argue that I think two things that are being forsaken in the world today are mercy and truth. That word uh, forsake you means don't let them abandon you, desert us. You know, it's very easy in the world we live in today for mercy to abandon us. And truth is something that seems to be getting questioned all the time, isn't it? What is truth? What's real truth? How can we really walk in truth? I think these are things that seem to be at an all-time low in the world we live in. So God says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. He's saying, don't let biblical truth and godly mercy get away from you. He says, bind them around your neck. You know what that means? He means that they should be on display like a man wears a tie, that it should be on display, that the world can look at your life and say, that person's about mercy and truth. 
and it should be so ingrained in you. It says, write it on the tablet of your heart. That's not talking about typing it into a digital iPad, okay? It's not the tablet we're talking about. It's talking about a stone tablet. In order for you to write something on a stone tablet in biblical times, you had to get out a chisel and you had to put in the time and the work and the effort to letter by letter painstakingly put it into that tablet. And once it was put into that tablet, it could not be erased. The only way it could be erased from that tablet is if the tablet was destroyed. In other words, it is so a part of who you are, it's going to go with you to your death. I'm preaching good this morning. Listen, God is saying that we need to etch these things, mercy and truth, into the character of who we are, that they should be on display for the world to see. People should be able to look at your life and say, that person right there is about biblical truth and godly mercy. Okay, so what is biblical truth and what does godly mercy look like? Well, let's talk about truth for just a moment. Truth is being questioned, isn't it? What did Jesus say about truth? He said this in John 17, 17. He said, thy word, thy word is truth. That word, word is the word in Greek, logos, which means this. It's the moral precepts given by God. It's the sayings of God. He's talking about the Bible. Jesus says the Bible is truth. The Bible goes on to say this in Romans 3. Talking about the word, it says this, it says, let God be true and every human being a liar. So here's what this is saying. If God is true and his word is truth, then anything that contradicts his word is a lie. And that has to be etched into our heart. That has to be a tie that we tie around our neck and we wear boldly to the world around us. That we live by the word of God. That it is truth and it is absolute truth. Now listen, the world has a problem with this. There's this idea in the world today of this this kind of moral relativism. That what may be true for you may not be true for me. That there is no, that's what relativism is. It's that there is no absolute truth. Listen, you don't want to live in a world where there's no absolute truth. That's not a good world. But people say that. They'll say, who are we to define certain things in the world today? We're not trying to define them. I'm not trying to define them. I'm letting God's word define them. But they'll say, who are we to define love? We, We can't define love. That's beyond our ability to do. And what's interesting is these same people that don't want to define love are really quick to define what hate is. And they'll say, what you say is love, I say is hate. What we say is love is what God says is love. They'll define it as hate. Who are we to define that, they'll say. Who are we to define if you're a boy or a girl? God defined that clearly. It was defined. And no matter what you do, you can't undefine that. But people will say, you, 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 this, well, there's no moral absolutes. We can't live that way. Listen, you want some moral absolutes. You need them. There are a lot of those around you all the time, and you like those. We need some absolutes in our life. When you go to the pharmacy and you need to pick up your prescription, you want some absolutes. You don't want the pharmacist going, well, you know, I didn't have your prescription back there, but this, these pills kind of look like your prescription. It's the same color. So just, why don't you just take these for a ride? We'll see what happens. No, right? We don't want that. We need some absolute, some absolute truth. When you, show up, when, you, when you show up at a stop sign when you're driving, it's an absolute truth. And if you don't surrender to that absolute truth, you're going to have an absolute wreck and you're gonna, you could absolutely die. 
Somebody say absolutely. absolutely. We need some absolute truth. And there's a lot of them, but, or there's a, lot, there's a lot of truth, but there's only one true absolute truth. And that's the Word of God. And that's why God says, let, what I, let the Word be true. Let the Bible be true. And everything else is a lie. Now, beyond the Word, we also know that Jesus is truth. The Bible speaking to G, about Jesus, John 1 verse 14, talking about Him, it says, the Word, that word, Word, is the same word, Logos, but it's talking about Jesus here, became flesh. That's talking about Jesus. And made His, His dwelling among us. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the Logos of God on display in human form for the world to see. Jesus is a picture of that. So if Jesus is the Word, and the Word is absolute truth, and by the way, Jesus agreed with that when He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's what we understand as believers. God's Word is truth and Jesus is truth and He is the only way. He's the only way. Jesus is the answer that this world is desperately looking for. Jesus is the answer. That's why the Bible tells us that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's the truth? The truth is God's Word. When you know what the Word of God has to say, it will bring freedom to your life. When you know Jesus, He brings freedom to your life. This is the answer the world needs. They may not know it, but this is the answer that the world so desperately needs. The world is bound by darkness and sin, but Jesus Christ and the Word of God is the answer, and we have to champion that to a world that desperately needs it. Can I get a bold amen? Amen. Now, here's the thing. Truth is wonderful. We need truth. But it's also important that we walk with mercy as well. Because truth, if we're not careful, and we don't share the truth the right way with love, like, like the Bible says, truth can become a clanging symbol. And the world doesn't want to hear it. So it's not just that we hold on to truth, but we also have to hold on to this idea of mercy. Mercy. If we want to pursue God and, 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 and be who He's called us to be, we have to have mercy in our life. So what is mercy? Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. We talked about grace earlier, right? It's the unmerited favor of God. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve, but it's good. You get something from God that you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Listen, because of sin, what we deserved was death, hell, and the grave. We deserved condemnation. We deserved wrath. But because of Jesus, we don't get what we deserve and we get something we don't deserve. We get forgiveness. We get favor. We're able to walk in those things. So mercy is different. Mercy holds back. Listen, mercy holds back what people deserve. Mercy holds back. And listen, this is so important to the gospel message of Jesus Christ going into the world the way it's supposed to. In fact, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Under the covering of mercy, supernatural life can take place. If we don't have mercy on display and we're not offering mercy to the world around us, then some of the supernatural work that God wants to do, it's never going to take place. We have to be a people of mercy. In the Bible, in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 10, God is giving instructions to David on the temple and how the temple is to be built. David's not going to build the temple. 
he's actually, his son Solomon later, he's going to give these instructions to Solomon, and Solomon will build the temple. But as he's giving them these directions, there's all these different things that are going to be in the temple. And there's a lot, it's a very detailed instruction on, on what the temple's going to look like, how people are to worship, what's going to be in the temple, what's going to be outside the temple. The whole process is very, is very complex. But in the details of God giving him what the temple, which listen, the temple is a house of God, right? In the temple was the presence of God. It housed the presence of God. Remember that. And he said, in the temple, God says, there's going to be a place of mercy. There's going to, there needs to be. I want you to make a place in the temple for mercy. It's called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. So listen, listen. The house of God. God says, in the house of God, I want a place of mercy. Now let me just remind you of something. When Jesus died on the cross... The temple existed, but this huge thick curtain in the temple was torn in two. And the presence of God left the temple in that moment. Why? Because God had a new temple now. His new temple is you. We are now the people who hold and carry with us the presence of God. And God says, in my house, where my presence is, there needs to be a seat of mercy. So in the life of a believer, in the house of a believer, there needs to be a place of mercy. And it's in that place of mercy that God can do supernatural things. In the, in the Bible, in the temple was the Ark of the Covenant. You guys know the Ark of the Covenant? You've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? You remember that? People's faces getting melted off. It was this God box. And, 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 and in that box was the presence of God in the Old Testament. Beyond God's presence, there were also some items in that box. There was the rod of Aaron, which was this rod, like a staff. It was a stick, just a normal stick, but under the mercy seat. Well, that's, by the way, that's what the, the Ark of the Covenant, the lid of that, that's the mercy seat. That's what the mercy seat was. Under that mercy, when, the, when it was in the Ark, that dead stick would bud. It would produce. This is a... This is a picture of the supernatural restoration of God, taking something dead and making it alive. In, in that ark, under the seat of mercy, where the presence of God was, there was some manna in there. If you know anything about manna, manna was something that God gave his people that would, that was a, it would provide for them. But after 24 hours, it would rot. But within, under the seat of mercy, what would normally rot stayed alive and stayed fruitful. This is a picture of the supernatural provision of God in our life. God wants to supernaturally provide for you that the things that, this, that in this world would normally rot in your life, they would continue to be sustained and fruitful in your life. And in the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, the Word of God. But like that guy in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you looked upon that ark, you looked upon those Ten Commandments, you looked upon the law of God without the mercy, when the lid came off, people died. That's what the Bible says. 70,000 people died one time because somebody looked into the ark in the Bible. But under the seat of mercy, what, what would cause death in people brought life to people. Under mercy. Are you getting this this morning? So in a world where people are dried up, it's the mercy of God that will begin to help things to sprout in their life. In a world where, where people are rotting on the inside, it's the mercy 
of God that will bring fruitfulness into their life. In a world where people look at the word of God and they say that's impossible to fulfill, it's the mercy of God that will help them with the Holy Spirit to walk out God's God's rule and reign in this world. We need mercy on display. It needs to be tied around our neck. It needs to be etched into our heart. We are a people of truth. We hold tightly to the truth that God is the only way and His word is truth and let every, every other thing be a liar. But we also hold on to God is merciful. And He showed mercy to me and gave grace to me and I will extend as best to my ability with the presence of God, the same kind of mercy to a broken, fallen, hurting world. Amen? Listen, I believe with all my heart there is a new level of favor that God wants you to experience this year. I believe there's a new season as a church we're getting ready to step into. And in this new season, there's new favor that God wants you to experience, but it's not going to be for everybody. And it's not because God's withholding. It's because we're withholding. We're not persistently, consistently pursuing the presence of God and the plan of God like we should. But if we will, listen, you can experience the favor. It'll touch your life. It'll touch your family. It'll touch your school. It'll, t- it'll touch your whatever environment you find yourself in. And it can change the world. It can bring dead things to life. It can bring fruitfulness. It can bring freedom. I don't know about you, but I want to be that person. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.